with every Sunday is Family Ministry Sunday. Every time we gather, we want you to feel like you are with family. I have a sweet story from one of our Quest kiddos that illustrates that. I'm going to share with you this morning from her perspective. Um, sweet Georgia, who was just a part of the family dedication, um, she was recently in the hospital for some asthma problems, but you can tell she's doing much better, praise the Lord. Um, while she was there, I got to visit with her, and she showed me a drawing that she'd been working on. And this was an amazing drawing of a future home. And this thing was decked out. It had an arcade. It had an everything kitchen where she says, if you can name it, you can order it. Now, I'm all in for that kind of kitchen. The best part to me was there was a side door. And I asked her what that was, and she said, Miss April, that's the entrance to church. So that whenever I want to be with my church family, I can. And I said, Georgia, that is so sweet. You are right. When we, are, when we believe in God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And she said, well, actually, Miss April, I feel like you guys, my church family, is a part of my for real true family. So I want everyone to feel that way. We all want everyone to feel that way, that when we gather, you're with your for real true family. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a really special part of our for real true family, our kids, which are our Quest Kids, and our youth, the Love Brigade that you have met. And we want you guys intimately aware of what we do with those kids, what God does with those kids. When we leave this worship service, we generally start off and spend time together here, but God does some big things when they go move into their classrooms. Um, and we want you guys to be aware of that. Um, first of all, we're going to tell you what it is not. Um, it's not babysitting. It's not child care. It's not an appendage of Love Chapel Hill. It's not even a program. Pat Simo and Matt Markins in their book called Leading Kid Men, they described it as a shift of thought, moving from thinking about family ministry as a group of programs that you offer, but instead focusing on it with a specific type of posture. So I'm going to define posture for you. It's a particular way of dealing with or considering something, an approach or an attitude. So we don't have a family ministry program here. We want to teach you and engage you all in what we call our family ministry posture, our approach, our attitude towards family ministry. That posture is defined as a posture towards cultivating an environment and a culture of Christ following. So this morning, as we learn about the family ministry posture, we're going to be doing some fun things, um, teaching in a way that we do with the Quest Kids and Love Brigade. Um, we're going to have some crafts, uh, a craft. We're going to have some games, um, and we are going to need you to interact with us. So in the different parts, we'll ask you some questions, and we want to hear from you um, in that. Um, as we learn together, just, in, just interact with us. Join in the fun. So the first thing that we do after the kids um, are sent off uh, to their classes is, uh, is prayer. Open our hearts and share praises together when we bend our hearts towards the Lord. So we're actually going to do that together as a church body right now. So I'm going to say a sentence, and then you're going to fill in the blanks interactively. Raise your hands. We'll call on you just like a classroom, and then you can fill in the blanks, all right? Thank you, God, for... Uh, April. Thank you, God, for your presence and power this morning. All right. Thank you. Does anybody else have a praise they want to share with the 
congregation. Miss Georgia, what was that? Oh, thank you for Love Chapel Hill. All right. So we get to worship together here on Sunday. It's awesome. Very grateful. Any other hands? Praises? Yes, sir. There you go. Wouldn't be here if you didn't. So, yeah. That nudge is always helpful on Sunday mornings. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. It's hard to see up here. Yeah, thank you for family. Yes. We got to see that uh, with the freeze and get to see that with all of you. So we're very grateful for that. All right. Yes. For our lives, yes. Um, he is the great redeemer. So thank you for playing along and thank you for calling, uh, calling things out. That's how we start things off over at Quest Kids. It's just sharing those pra praises, letting the kids remember um, that God is continually at work in their lives. So um, next, let's pray together, um, kind of like we would with the kids, but kind of like was what April was saying with the posture. Uh, we're going to pray with a specific posture. So let's start initially um, with our hands down. Um, we'll keep our hands down, just allowing God to release us of anything that may be, you know, keeping us back from worshiping him this morning. Um, and then uh, we'll move into prayer, uh, asking him to come. We'll turn our hands up asking him uh, in a receiving posture uh, just that his goodness, his presence uh, would be a part of us this morning and praise him for who he is. All right, so let's hands down, just clear ourselves of anything that, that may be in our hearts, um, just pour it out. Uh, and I'll lead us and you can pray silently along if you'd like. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, just strip us from all fears that, that we may have, that we can put those onto you, Lord that you actively want to hear uh, our burdens, the things, Lord, that, that uh, hold us back from following you, uh, Lord. And we just ask that you would strengthen our faith. We ask, Lord, that uh, we would continually turn to you, um, just, Father, so that we could live a life that was just unbridled, um, uh, chasing after you. All right, we'll turn our hands up. Father, we thank you that you are a God of love. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you have redeemed us, uh, we thank you, Lord, that if we call on your name, that you strip us uh, from our, si our sins from us, that we can be renewed, that we can live a holy life uh, for you, Lord. We just ask that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit, that we could be uh, actively engaged in your mission uh, of loving those around us and telling people who you are. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to dig in. Before we do, I've got a demonstration. I'm going to ask my son, Shepard, to come on up here. All right, we've got an analogy for you. It's, it's imperfect, but it's fun. So our son, Shepard, plays baseball. He is all about some baseball. Um, so he's been taking lessons recently to improve his batting. And his instructor has taught him a new system to improve his swing. Now, that system has got four points to it. One, two, three, four steps. And we're going to go through those four steps together. Um, by the way, when I first asked him if he wanted to do this, he was not that into it. But then he found out if he didn't, I would have to do it. And so he spared us all the awkward of me being up here swinging. So he's going to do it. So we thank you, Shepard, for doing this for us, buddy. All right, so I'm going to name the steps, and he is going to do them as I say. All right, number one, as the ball approaches, lift your leg. Take a step forward, two. 
Rotate your hips, three. Follow through with your upper body and arms, four. Awesome. All right. Now, without the pauses, he's going to do one fluid movement for us. Go for it, buddy. <laughs> Woo! All right. Thanks, nice Shepard. Well done, bud. All right. So, one, two, three, four. Four steps up. With a purpose, a fluid purpose. Now, what is that purpose? When he first started taking lessons, his instructor said, Shepard, when you get up to bat, what is it that you want to do? And he said, I want to hit the ball and I want to get on base. That makes sense. I think I would have answered that way. Well, so his instructor has said, rather than thinking like that, I'm going to help you change, modify your thinking. Every time you go up to the plate, I want you thinking that you're not just going to hit the ball, but you're going to crush it. You're going to hit it as hard and as far as you can. Every single swing, that's your purpose. That's your goal. You aim to excel every single time. All right, so what does that have to do with family ministry posture? What that has to do with our family ministry posture is this. We're going to go over four fluid steps, four fluid aspects of our posture towards family ministry. And guys, we're not in this to just teach our kids and get through and hope everything works out well. We want to crush it. We want to aim to excel with what we do in family ministry for God's glory and our good. So the first one we're going to talk about this morning. So our family ministry posture to cultivate an environment and culture of Christ following. The first aspect is teaching through the gospel teaching through the gospel. There are 66 books in the Bible, but it is one story, and it is all about Jesus. We're going to walk along with some Jesus followers for a minute. In Luke 24, we hear about two Christ followers, and this is after Jesus has died. And they're walking along, and they're traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And they're talking with each other about what had happened, and Scripture describes them as downcast. Jesus appeared, he, didn't, he kept them from knowing who he was, um, but he did. He saw their heaviness, and he saw their sadness, and he asked them, what's wrong? So they proceeded to tell him everything that happened. Now, these men, they had, they had walked with Jesus before. They'd heard his teaching. They'd seen him perform miracles. They'd seen him die, and they had even heard the news that he could no longer be found in the grave, but they didn't get it. Jesus gave them a little bit of a reprimand for not connecting the dots, but then in his kindness, he walked them through scripture to explain to them the redemption plan. What I don't want us to miss here is the crucial point. Jesus led the way in showing us that all of scripture is one story about him. Um, Brian Dimbachek in his book, Gospel-Centered Kids Ministry, says this, Jesus interpreted scripture not as a collection of random stories, but as one big story about him, and we should do the same. Jesus is the connecting thread that ties all of scripture together beautifully. Whenever we look at scripture, our goal is to look for Jesus. So we want to show you the curriculum that we use when we teach the children. Um, it's a wonderful curriculum curriculum. It's called the Gospel Project. Um, we watch a Bible story video together, and then we reinforce it with craft and games and discussion. Um, so I want you guys to see that this morning, and as we play the video, we are going to have our Quest Kids, a few of the Quest Kids and youth, coming to stand over here, and they're going to hold a poster 
and they've got an illustration for us this morning as we watch that video. For generation after generation, we have gathered for one reason. To tell the story. The one that changes everything. That salvation is not found within, but with Jesus. We tell it again and again, generation upon generation. We teach them the Bible isn't just 66 books bound together. It's one big story. When we see the Bible as one narrative, it changes how we read it. We see that Adam's fruit led to Noah's reign and Joseph's pit. We see that Abraham's ram and Jonah's fish and David's giant foretold us of Mary's manger and the one who would reunite man with God. When we see that every story points to the one, it changes how we teach our kids, how we see ourselves, how we see God. We have one mission, one purpose, one job to do, to share the story with them in as many ways and as many times as we can. This is the big story of the Bible. This is the one story that changes everything. This is the Gospel Project for Kids. So every Sunday morning, uh, we get a chance to remind the kids uh, and remind ourselves that behind every, every story that we read in the Old Testament, uh, and all the stories in the New Testament, Christ is the center of all of those. Uh, in every part of the Bible, God is teaching us his redemption plan as it unfolds through Jesus, the Son of God, becoming man, living a sinless life, crucified, paying the penalty for our sin, and rising again on the cross. It's beautiful, and it's something um, that I'm grateful to be a part of uh, every, every week. Our prayer is that everything that we do as adults, as teachers, uh, is to draw these kids to, res to knowing and responding to a loving and forgiving God uh, of the Bible. All right, you guys light up those posters for us. So on those posters, you can see Adam, Noah, Abraham, Jonah, Joseph, David, all of them pointing us to who? All of that, the connecting thread, is sweet Jesus. Good job, guys. Y'all can turn that off. Thank you. All right, so our family ministry posture is to cultivate an environment and a culture of Christ following. Aspect number one was teaching through the gospel. Aspect number two is transformation of the heart. When we trust in Jesus, we become children of God, but what does this mean for how we live? This is called transformation. The transformation is defined as a change or renewal from a life no longer conforming to the ways of this world, but to one that pleases God. 
I want to separate this briefly from behavior modification, which is what you hear a lot about when working with kids. Um, I have been a mom for 17 years, and I worked with kids for many years before that, and I'm kind of guilty of this one. I struggle with it. Um, like any of you, I'm in my own process of heart transformation. See, what, we, what happens is we get caught in this trap of wanting changes and wanting them quickly. We want our kids to know God and love him. We want them to honor God. We want them to honor us. We want them to exceed, succeed in life. We want them to have good manners, depth of character, succeed maybe at sports and relationships and friendships. Um, but that is not something that we can force. The natural, most effective order of this begins in the heart. The key to gospel transformation is that it happens in our heart and then external behavior follows. If you try to do it any other way, you can get a change, but it's cosmetic and it's temporary. So gospel transformation happens in the heart. Jana Magruder, she's the director of Lifeway Kids, she said this, the list of values we want to see championed in our children's lives will be fleeting if it is not produced by the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about an analogy we often read about in the Bible. Um, as related to transformation, and it's about fruit. Um, in Luke 6, Jesus talks about this. He's, he addresses how a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, um, and he, quote, he says, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What controls our heart is what comes out of us. Another part of Scripture that talks about this, Paul in his letter to the Galatian church shows them how to recognize if true gospel transformation is happening in someone's heart, that it looks like something specific. We're going to read together this Scripture, Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control against against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit we have a fun way we memorize this with the kids and I'm gonna ask you guys to do the same this morning so we do sort of a chant the way we do it is I say love joy peace and then they say I say patience, kindness, goodness, and they say faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, one more time. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well done. Memorizing what gospel transformation looks like when God is doing the work in our heart. That's what it looks like. Now, we've got something for you. When you arrived this morning, you should have received something like this. Dig that out for us. If you did not, Miss Erin has got extras for us. Raise your hands, and she will pass them down to you. We want to make sure everyone gets to do a craft this morning. All right, I'm going to get us started. For those that do have it, I'm going to show you what we're going to do with it. We're going to gently curve it like this. Gently curve it like this. Don't create a harsh bend, just a gentle curve. And then while it's curved, you start twisting the paper out, like one at a time. 
until you have your fruit. <laughs> until you have your fruit. All right, if anybody has trouble with getting their fruit to come out, let us know and we will help you work through that. All right, on your fruit, there is a leaf. And on that leaf is scripture I want to read right now. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Y'all, how wonderful that it is God doing this work in us for his good purpose. This is not called the fruit of Matt Leroy. This is not called the fruit of Grant or Madison. This is called the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot produce the life-changing, effective, powerful fruit in our lives all in our own power. This is by the fruit of the Spirit. So God brings us into relationship with him through the Son. And when we've trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, he calls on us to live that gospel change out to be transformed, but he does that work in us, and he does that work through us. The fruit of the Spirit reflects true gospel transformation, and we need to prayerfully align and surrender our hearts to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us for our good, for his glory. So how do we cooperate in this gospel transformation? It is through God working in us and through us. As Pastor Matt said a few weeks ago, over the past few weeks, over, uh, throughout the Kingdom Tide series, uh, we are aligned and surrender ourselves to it. We stay rooted in the Word. We stay connected in our relationship to God in prayer. We stay committed in being in, the, in community with believers to be encouraged and challenged. And thus we are being transformed by the Spirit to work in us and beyond us like a river that runs through us into our community. All right, so our family ministry posture to cultivate an environment and culture of Christ following. Aspect number one was teaching through the gospel. Aspect number two is transformation of the heart. Aspect number three is living on mission. One of the things most commonly asked of children is, what do you want to be? When you grow up, very good. What do you want to be when you grow up? In fact, I just talked to my kids about this this week. We had a conversation prayerfully dreaming about what God might have for them in the future. Some other things we might heard said about kids is, this kid has so much potential. Um, I can't wait to see what this kid does in the future. Or how about youth or the future of the church? Now, these things are not bad. They're true. Um... And they're not bad to ask. I've said them. I've asked them. However, what we have to be careful to not imply is that they aren't doing great things for God now. They are, they are doing amazing things for God. These are years of great opportunity. Childhood and teen years, we don't just survive them. We don't just get through them to what we're supposed to do when we grow up. We do things for God by his power where we are, no matter a, what age we are. We look at these years, this age of opportunity, with a sense of hope, with a sense of mission for right now. Let's look at some um, examples in the Bible um, about what this looks like and how this was important. Um, Miriam, we learn about in the book of Exodus. Now, this is a time when the Israelites are suffering under um, the Egyptians. Some scholars believe Miriam at this time was between the ages of 8 to 12 years old. 
Um, her mom had just had a baby boy. Um, Miriam was a part of God's plan to rescue Moses. She demonstrated protection, love, courage, as her mom had sent her baby brother floating down the Nile River. And then, at, with courage and with faith, she stepped in to be a part of orchestrating his care when the Egyptian princess found him. She was a part of God's plan to rescue his people at 8 to 12 years old. Now, who did God use to bring down a seemingly undefeatable giant? We know who that is. That's very good. Now, at that time, they estimate David somewhere in late teens, approaching 20. And God used him as a picture of the great king to come who's going to defeat, who did defeat sin and death forever. Who did God use to feed the 5,000? A young boy who offered what? Bread and fish, his five loaves, his two fish. God used a young boy. Some of the disciples may even have been teenagers when they started following Christ. Let's read scripture about um, what the body of Christ looks like because they, ch children and teens, are a part of this body with a purpose to accomplish the mission of the church. Any of us, when we trust in Jesus, we're a child of God with full access to the Father by the power of the Son, empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a transformed life and live that mission out to accomplish it with God's power. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, Now we, as many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are, who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Ephesians 4.16, from the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and each part does its work. God is so creative. He did not design the church body to all look alike. We all, children and youth included, were uniquely made and have experienced life uniquely in such a way that God uses it as part of his wonderful design to accomplish the mission of the church. Now, this one story of Jesus we're talking about, it's still unfolding. We all who have trusted in him can be a part of being transformed by the Holy Spirit and then play a missional role in the command to go, like in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. In this family... We want to be living on mission at every age, loving with the heart of Jesus to neighbors locally and globally one mile, 1,000 miles away. Our Quest Kids and our youth, our Love Brigade, they serve missionally in a number of ways to meet the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of our community and around the world. Um, they make things to encourage children in the hospital. Um, they provide therapeutic toys for children all over the world with disabilities, raising thousands of dollars to fight hunger in Chapel Hill and around the world. Every day, every week, sharing the love of God in relational ways to their friends and their neighbors and their community. And every month, we have a specific people group that we're praying for, that people all over the world will respond to Jesus and come to know and love him. We must embrace this vision that our kids are missionaries, and we must join in equipping and encouraging them to see that God has placed them where they are right now to live on mission. So this month, our mission's focus is uh, in the country of Sierra Leone. The love mission we've been talking about 
uh, is partnering with Enable the Children, and Quest Kids have been leading us through that. We have a special guest this morning, uh, Miss Katie Kirkpatrick. I'm going to ask her to, to come up. Katie works with World Hope International. She's a director of member services, and she's been helping us as Love Chapel Hill um, and other churches to get connected um, to, with the needs that they have as an organization uh, in or to organize support. She's going to share with us some, a little bit more about what she does this morning, so please help me welcome Katie. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Um, I think we have a couple of pictures I wanted to share with y'all. Do y'all have those? Okay, that's my family. He's actually here with me today. It's kind of a rare thing that we're all in the same place. Um, usually you get one of us and none of the others. So um, that's my husband, Tim, and my two daughters, Camelia, like the flower bush that grows in the south, and Zelmita. Um, they're my Haitian sensations. And so um, they were my guinea pigs when we started a little project that maybe some of your children have participated in with the little banks um, that you color and then collect change. And so um, Camelia, she, she colored hers, and uh, they're always inspiring me and challenging me because when we went over what the banks were doing and how we were collecting change um, to help children in other countries be able to access education, um, they immediately went and got their piggy banks and started stuffing them full uh, because they wanted to put money in, and they wanted to know how they could earn money so that they could put money in the banks for, for other children. And so on the, the banks is the story of Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves. And the idea is that even when we bring a little, God can multiply that and do something amazing with it. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about Enable the Children. We have child sponsorship programs in multiple countries, um, but in Sierra Leone, we focus specifically on children with disabilities. So there's 450,000 children in Sierra Leone who are impacted by some disability. Enable the Children works in the Freetown area with 900 children currently on their caseload. Um, most of them have... Um, CP and have difficulty with mobility or um, walking, and so the, the others might be autism, Down syndrome. Um, you can go to the next picture. They have Anna Vines. Oh, it's a little strange. Um, Anna Vines, who's uh, a physiotherapist from, from, she's British, and she leads a team of seven therapists and a variety of therapy assistants, and they work with children and their families. Um, so last year, y'all collected toys, which was amazing, th therapy toys and therapy tools. And um, when I checked in with Anna again this year to see if that was something that was really helpful for them, they just shared how it really allows them to multiply their therapy efforts because instead of only being able to use tools when they're there doing therapy, they're able to leave something behind and train the family on daily activities they can do for strengthening muscles. Um, and it really transforms the quality of life. So in Sierra Leone, children with disabilities have historically been viewed as um, being possessed, being a product of witchcraft, being devils. And so mamas who know in their heart that that's not true are oftentimes left alone. Their, their husbands and their families reject them because it's seen as a curse. And so um, a huge part of what Enable the Children has been able to do um, is reduce stigma related to children with disabilities. Um, you know, in America, we want to think we're a little more... Uh, uh, evolved, but the ADA didn't actually get passed in our country to protect, to protect people with disabilities until 1990. And so um, in countries around the world, this is still a big deal about raising awareness for, for people with disabilities and what causes it. And so one of the things we hear back often from families is mama saying, I knew this wasn't true. I knew it wasn't true, but now I know why. I didn't know why this was happening to my child. And so every year they do a huge event. Um, it's, a, it's a beach party that they do for, for children, their families, and their siblings. And they come together. And for some of our families, it's the only time 
but they've interacted with another family who has a child with a disability. And so they're able to spend time together and just do a fun thing. Um, they make these makeshift tents to give them some shade. Um, they have music. They have speakers. They invite community leaders. Um, they do skits. They share testimonies. And it's just an amazing day. This year they had over 1,000 people out for their beach day family event. And that's just one thing that they do. They just celebrated um, World CP Day. They participate in December and um, World Disabilities Day. And so just really um, working to raise awareness about what causes disabilities, working with um, the surrounding people in the community of where these children live about how they can support those families. Um, you can see a great video on the YouTube site for World Hope, which is a rap video that the staff wrote a song about not a devil, not a witch. And they've produced this, and this has been airing this year on um, television in Sierra Leone. And it's really been um, a huge part of what Enable the Children is able to do, not only improving the quality of life for children and their families, but raising awareness across the entire country. So we're so grateful um, that y'all are joining us again this year. If you would like to sponsor a child specifically um, that has disabilities, that sponsorship goes to not only providing therapy, but also providing any specialized equipment that child might need um, if they're able to go to school. And so as a sponsor, you get information every year back, their therapy plans, what they're working on, what their goals are, where they've made progress, and if they can write um, or draw pictures back to you, get that to you, an updated picture. It's a great tool for families to be able to focus on a specific area where you're specifically praying for a country, um, but you know the issues that are going on there. It's a great discussion piece, and then also a relationship that you can form um, with your children and, and these children. So I'll be at the table after service. If you have any questions, I'd love to talk to you. And thank you so much for partnering with us. Thank you, Katie. Appreciate that. And got, Katie suggested uh, something, if you wanted to, to adopt a child as a family, that's a great thing. Or if you have a small group or a band, um, that'd be a great fit for it too. Something you can do together and just see the difference uh, in community that you're, that you're making um, here for these children. All right, so back to our family ministry posture to cultivate an environment and culture of Christ following. Aspect number one was teaching through the? Very good. Aspect number two, transformation of the? Very good. And number three was living on? Mission. Excellent. Number four is following to lead. Now admit it, you think I'm going to make you play follow the leader. But I thought, I thought about it. But I'm not going to do it. Not today, maybe next time. All right. Following to lead. It sounds a bit backwards, but this is God's design for leadership as it applies to parents, as it applies to family ministry leaders, to each and every part of our church family. Guys, we are all influencers of children and disciple makers of children, whether you know it or not. Michelle Anthony, in her book, Seven Family Ministry Essentials, calls this followership. And I like that word. I love that word. She says, explains it as, spiritually healthy leadership is less about leading and more about following the leader, the one, our leader, our Lord and Savior. We must allow God to be in his rightful position and then, of leadership and then helping other people follow and depend on the one who is ultimately equipped to lead. Um, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. If you've ever considered serving in the capacity of family ministry and you feel intimidated, believe me, I get it. I often feel that way too. But 
but it's this place of knowing that we can't do it alone, that we get out of the way and we let God do what he can and will do through us. It's about knowing that our faith in God to equip us is more important than what we think we might have to offer ourselves. We embrace this idea of followership as we lead, and we expect God's faithful provision, his presence, and his power as he accomplishes his good purpose in our kids. Every family member of Love Chapel Hill has a role to play in aligning our family ministry posture. Every child is a gift from God, and speaking into their life is an honor and privilege for each of us. They're following you whether you know it or not. So join us all in following Jesus. So when they follow us, we lead them right to him. So we ask at least one thing of you this morning to please pray with us. Pray for our kids. Pray for our youth, our families, pray for our leaders, pray for each other, and how God wants us to all engage in this family ministry posture together is we have faith in him to do the amazing work he has done and will continue to do in the lives of our kids. All right, last game, and you guys have already shown you, you knew it. The prize was a lollipop, and so you're going to get one when you leave. All right, so I've got a fill-in-the-blank slide coming up. So, fill in the blank. What is the family ministry posture to cultivate an environment and culture of? Oh, louder. Very good. Very good. That's where the lollipop. All right. What was aspect number one? Teaching through the? Well done. Aspect number two, transformation of the? Yes. All right. Number three, living on? And number four, following? to lead. Very good. Well done. Everybody gets a lollipop. All right. I'm going to ask Matt to come up uh, and lead us in communion. But before I do, um, seriously, April and I just want to say thank you to each of you uh, for helping make all of this come together. For all the ways that you love the kids, for the ways that you love the youth, uh, we're grateful to share our family and to be a family uh, with you guys uh, in this journey we have in, in following Christ. Uh, we just, yeah, so thank you very much for that. And we just want to, you know, challenge you to surrender yourself and remember that even if you don't have a kid and you're not part of the, the family uh, or, or part of the uh, program with us here, you still play a role in being that example of Christ uh, t- to these kids and to these youth. So thank you for that. Yeah. Guys, let's show our appreciation to Pastor April and Pastor Derek. I've told them many times privately, I've said it many times publicly, but I'll say it again. There is nobody else in this world that I would rather have pastoring my own kids than Pastor April and Pastor Derek. They are doing an amazing job. We see it uh, every day, and um, you've just experienced it, and our gratitude really runs deep for you guys. Thank you so much for the way you lead our church. Like April was saying... This whole story keeps pointing in the same direction. And all of today has pointed us right back to that person again. Jesus, when he was with his disciples on his last night with them, he did something similar to what April's been doing with us, taking something very tangible, something that they were going to tangibly experience 
and teach them a deeper truth through that. He took the bread that was on the table and he began to tell them the deeper meaning of this bread that they had shared together many times and this meal that they had shared together many times. And he took that bread that was on the table and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is broken to make you whole. Then he took the cup that was on the table. And he said, this cup represents my sacrifice, my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sin and for the salvation of the world. Every time you taste it, remember what I have done for you. And what I've made possible for you. This morning we're going to share in the grand family meal of the family of Christ. And we're going to invite you to come forward. And you're going to be served today by our kids and by our volunteers. So I'm going to invite them to come on up and be ready to to help us serve. But as you come forward, you'll just tear off a piece from the bread And you'll dip it into the cup and then taste and see that the Lord is good. If you need a gluten-free option, then that will be available on this side. As we do this, contemplate the beauty of Christ and all that he has done to bring us into a relationship with God. We are his family, and he invites us today to the family table.